You may be seated. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are present and you are here with us. Lord, you've met us in a time of praise. We want you to meet us in your word right now. Lord, we're going to come and meet you at the Eucharist. Father, we want to continue to meet you so that we can be transformed and changed and be made different as a result of being in your presence. So meet with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you ever feel like some people just don't understand you? Often that's the case, and if you've been married for a few years, you might have figured that out by now, that uh, in that process, that I don't understand. You know, I made the mistake in marriage, you know, the first 11 years was trying to change my spouse, and then I realized that doesn't work. It's not my job to change a person, uh, to con line up with the way I want to do everything, and people don't understand each other. That's how we're created. That's how we're made. That, that, that's a reality. And Jesus encountered that reality of those who just didn't understand him. So we're not alone. He, he, he knew that. Jesus, again, continuing to minister around the Sea of Galilee to uh, his, his, the Israelites and the, the Jewish villages that are there. And he has this ministry going on for some time now. And, and it's in this moment that Jesus leaves that Galilee region and he begins to head north with his disciples. He begins to take them north. And it's for a reason because his own people who came, that he came to redeem are either rejecting his message or they want to make him king. It's a turning point right now in Matthew's gospel as we read in chapter 15. That Jesus has ministered to God's chosen people. And they still don't have the faith to believe in who he is. They're still not recognizing that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus taught with authority uh, about the kingdom of God. And, and, and signs and wonders followed as a result of it. It was evident Jesus had power over sickness, demonic strongholds, and even over creation. Religious leaders were uh, threatened by who he was, and as a result, they set out to destroy him. Those who followed him sought healing and deliverance, but many still did not believe. Many still did not have faith. His own disciples struggled with their faith, truly believing that Jesus was the Messiah. From the feeding of the 5,000, that was a few weeks ago, to Peter stepping out of the boat in the midst of the storm and, and, and asking the Lord, if that's you, call me out, and takes a step. But still there was doubt. Still there was fear. And he began to sink. Peter was willing to take that first step. But Jesus knew his disciples had to expand their faith. They had to have a, a, a bigger or a greater knowledge of what that faith was. And that's something that begins in the heart. So Jesus decides to take his disciples on a little retreat. Not really, but it was planned. It was concise because everything Jesus did was with the authority of the Father. He and the Father were one, and everything he did had a purpose, and there was a plan in it. And he begins to head north, about 30 miles north, to a predominantly Gentile area, uh, of Tyre and Sidon, and, and in verse 22, it picks up again, and, and it says, And behold, a woman of Cana came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, there's two things happening. One, she's a Gentile. 
from that northern region. And here his disciples who Jesus has taken away to continue to shape and form and, and, and retreating from that area of all that resistance and all that's going on. And now he's there with just his disciples. And this, this Gentile woman comes. And a woman wouldn't approach a rabbi like that, let alone a Gentile woman. And, and she makes this approach. This woman from Cana seeks after Jesus in this desperation for her daughter who's severely demon-possessed. She seeks after him. And when Scripture says severely demon-possessed, that meant multiple problems. It wasn't just one thing going on. There was a crisis in her daughter's life. And we know that there's nothing that a mother won't do for a child. Fathers as well. But we're reminded when Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.5, and, 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 and he says to him, there's a remembrance of this genuine faith that's in you. But Paul says, hey, but remember, it first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. That there was something about those who've gone before him generationally in that power of prayer. And I am a product of a praying grandmother and a praying mother. So here's some good advice. Grandmothers, mothers, don't stop praying. It works. God meets you in the midst of that prayer. And there's this affirmation, and we know that strength, that, 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 that prayer and that, that the prayer of the mother is a powerful weapon and tool that will drive back the demonic stronghold. So the Canaanites were not only just Gentiles, but they were despised by the Jewish people. And the woman who's not a Jew, confesses her strong faith when she makes a statement, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. It's a profession of faith. She's, she's sharing her faith in what she believes. Now here's what we need to know about faith. Faith makes miracles possible. That's what makes miracles. Unbelief will not make miracles possible. Faith makes miracles possible. In verse 23 of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, he answered not a word. Jesus had no response. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. Get rid of her, Lord. Jesus, having no immediate response to the woman, is jarring. There's no response, nothing. And the disciples' response is actually kind of comical. The disciples are going, get rid of her. It's enough. She's, crying. She's making a scene. This is embarrassing. Let's, let's move on already. But actually what they really were saying, the translation is, Jesus, just heal her already so we can get rid of her. Just go do your thing. Heal her. Send her away. That's enough. And Jesus continues with this dialogue and this discussion in verse 24, but he answered and he said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And Jesus says that I've come to fulfill God's covenant with Abraham and to the lost sheep of Israel is that reminder when he makes that statement that I have come to fulfill all those things that the Father has promised. And that's why I'm here and his own people have rejected him. They're rejecting the message that he is the Messiah. In spite of all the things that they've seen, they still don't have faith to believe. And in verse 25 it says, Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. 
Now, I'm going to tell you the greatest prayer you can ever pray in your life is just three words. Lord, help me. All the other stuff, he knows already. We start the dialogues with the Lord, and he's like, yeah, I know. And often when I, I pray, I, I'm up there, you know, I have this vision, and I'm a little sarcastic in my life. And I, I mean, he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, Brett, get to the point, get to the point. And Lord, help me. He's like, oh, now we're going to do something. Now there's a surrendering. Now there's an earnestness in my heart, not just a list of things, that where my faith lies is within that prayer. And many of us know that prayer. You've prayed that prayer once or twice in your life. Breaking the speed limit, going down, you know, the parkway, and, and you're driving along, and lights go on a little bit ways behind you, and then you begin to pray like no one's prayed before. You didn't even have a relationship with the Lord yet, but you learned how to pray in that moment. And all of a sudden, you're crying out to God, Lord, help me. Lord, let it be the other car that was going a little faster behind me. Lord, intervene. Then you bargain with the Lord. Lord, help me. If you help me right now in this moment, I promise I'm going to go back to church. So we know that prayer. We're familiar with it. Maybe for many of us, there was a turning point. I know for me in my own life, I had a surrender at one moment in my life because I didn't make him Lord of my life. And there, there was a moment where I had to surrender and say, just Lord, help me. And that's the prayer, a prayer of faith that goes out. And when the Canaanite woman knelt down before Jesus, it was a sign of true worship. She was worshiping him. And true worship is when we cast ourselves on God in our helplessness. That we're, we're surrendering, we're casting ourselves. It's when we acknowledge the Lord's power, love, and wisdom as the only source of our help. That we abandon all other things. And we say, Lord, I just, I truly worship you. Lord, help me. Help me meet you in this moment right now. And she gives this visual of her worship to him and makes that statement in, in verse 26. But he answered and he said, is it not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs? Jesus again is expressing the primary focus of his ministry to the Jews and, and, and that, that the importance that they would understand it. The disciples are getting a lesson and a reminder of what's going on, that why he's here and why he's come. This primary reason, and, and, and yet we still continue to see this test in, in this woman's faith. That, that what's next? It's the second time in Jesus' response. Disciples just wanted to get her healed already. But there was more that they would understand about their own struggle of faith as disciples. It was a teachable moment for them in their life. It's being revealed. It was teaching them about how to have faith and what that faith looked like. The Canaanite woman's response may be the greatest response in all of Scripture. Maybe the greatest response when Jesus reminds her why he's here and why he's came. He's a Jew. She's a Gentile. He's come to redeem the Israelites, but he's really come to bring redemption to the world. But she answered him, and she responds, and yes, Lord, yet even little dogs have the crumbs which fall from the master's table. What she does in that moment, she acknowledges who Jesus is and why he came. She expresses her faith verbally and physically. There's this expression or profession of her faith of what this is about. 
And she believes still there's a gift of mercy that is possible for the healing of her daughter for this Gentile woman. She still believes that he can do it. She acknowledges who he is, that there's something more going on. And what she's doing is she's pursuing after Jesus. What would the church look like if we were a people of that true worship pursuing after God in that way? What would that look like in our own life? Do I cut all the other things out and, Lord, help me. Help me pursue after you that way, not to give up. Not, you know, the, the idea of pursuing after something doesn't mean you tried once and stopped it. It's a continuum of, of, of seeking after. It's a continuum of, of, of driving forward, of not giving up, of pressing in. And we see that. We see that in her life as she's pursuing and she will not take no for an answer. She believes in who he is. She's, she's shown that expression verbally and physically by kneeling down before him, by crying out to him. See, our lack of faith is the only thing that robs us from God's power in our lives. It's our lack of faith. Faith is that key component that we have to understand because faith allows us to participate in God's supernatural power. That's what it's about. And if you don't have faith and it's unbelief, you're never going to know the true power of God in your life. But if you have that faith to believe, you're tapping into something that's not of this world, something that's above this world. That is supernatural to participate in in your life in the now. And there's an understanding of that. See, faith in Jesus leads us past the things of this world, which are temporal, to the promises of the things that are eternal. And that's a greater understanding of faith. It goes on as Jesus responds to her in verse 28. Jesus answered, he said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And the daughter was healed from that very hour. Oh, woman, great is your faith. If you look that word up in the Greek, the word great actually is megas. And megas is where we get the word what? Mega. He said, oh, woman, mega is your faith. It kind of has a different feeling to it when you say that, doesn't it? Because I could say, great is your faith, and you feel all holy and pious. Oh, great is your faith. Yes, great, great is my faith. But when you say you have mega faith, something is about to happen. Something greater, something mightier, something with more power is about to happen. And Jesus was not just saying to her, but he's turning to his disciples and saying, oh woman, mega is your faith. Outstanding, great. Tremendous, enormous is your faith. And I think he might have, they didn't record it. He was like, disciples, you get this yet? <laughs> Where's your faith? The woman's faith persisted. Jesus responded to her faith, and he healed her daughter. Faith allows us to participate in that supernatural. And mega is her faith. He sees that mega faith in her willingness to believe, in her persistence to pursue after him as being revealed. Now, there was an evangelist and, and one with a healing ministry, and his name was Smith Wigglesworth. And he was in the early 1900s, died around 1947, somewhere around there. 
And uh, he grew up uh, poor. He grew up uh, illiterate, couldn't read, got married, met this woman. His parents were people of faith. He grew up in different backgrounds from Methodist and Anglican. And, and, and he met this woman and he couldn't read. And she began to teach him how to read. And where she began to teach him was in the Bible. And then the Bible became the only book he ever read for the rest of his life. And he committed his life to Christ. Matter of fact, it says he was eight years old. He made a decision to follow after Christ. And he began to pursue after him and began to share the gospel with those around him. He's from Great Britain. And, and they would have these tent meetings and, and revivals were taking place. And, and he believed and he, he had a faith to expect more. And God began to use him by that faith to bring forth healing in others' lives. And some of it was not the most orthodox way. But, but what I can tell you is the guy had mega faith. And he would call people forward. And, and this one time, someone came forward, and he punched them in the stomach as hard as they could, and they went flying back. And they said, how on earth can you hit that man and do that? He said, oh, I wasn't hitting the man. I was driving the demons out. Amen. <laughs> he believed in that demonic stronghold. He believed those afflictions, with, afflictions were taking place. So for all those who need healing, come on up. Oh, where's your faith? <laughs> one time someone in one of the meetings came forward and, uh, and, and, and uh, he comes up for healing. And Smith looks at him and he says, didn't you come up last night for prayer? And he said, yes. And he said, never have I seen such unbelief. That there was a, a mega faith involved, a great faith involved involved and the Lord wants us to walk in that mega faith to have that to believe in that to take that step to know that where he's calling us to is something more and something greater something supernatural that we're called now in this moment that we're to participate in and, and he has this quote and Smith Wiggleworth says this great faith is the product of great fights great testimonies are the outcome of great tests great triumphs can only come out of great trials. Amen. It's going to take mega faith. And we can have great faith because God is faithful. Amen. And he meets us in every moment of every day. My prayer is that, that for you to go forth in that mega faith, to trust in the Lord greater with whatever is going on in your life, to hope bigger, that he's, Christ is at center and he's your only hope in your life. And if we can learn anything from the parable, it's this. Great faith, mega faith, will always take persistence. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us in our doubts. Help us where we're weary. Help us meet you right now in this moment, Lord. We we want you to help us walk by a greater faith, believing yes. in the things you're doing now and the things that are yet to come. Yes. Father, increase our faith. And you might be sitting here and, 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 and you might be watching online. And there comes a moment in your life you have to make a decision of where that faith is in. Where did you put your hope, your faith in? And Jesus makes an invitation. As a reminder that he gives us this gift by grace, this gift of grace that comes through faith, through believing in who he is. 
That, that he's come into the world to redeem all that was lost. And if you're lost right now and you don't know him in that way, he makes an invitation for you to have a relationship with him. But it takes us to make that first step. To be reminded that he went on a cross and died for our sins so that we can have a life with him that's eternal life that he promises. But we have to make the step of faith. You have to make that decision. If you're sitting here right now, if you're watching at home or online, you haven't asked him in your life, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Just respond. Respond with what's already going on in your heart to know him in that way. Cry out to God right now and say, Lord, help me. If you want to know him in that way, I want to pray with you to know him that way. So just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart. And I ask you to come in. Take control of my life. And make me the person you want me to be. In your name I pray. Amen. Now if you've prayed that here and it's the first time you're asking the Lord into your life that way, you need to let us know. If you're online and you're watching right now and you've prayed that and asked him in and you're on the campus, there's a button that comes up that says let us know. Why? Because we want to help you on this journey of discipleship. We want to come alongside you and help you walk in the mega faith that the Lord wants to give you. Amen? The peace of the Lord be with you. Acknowledge with one another the sign of God's peace. Thank you.